Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers at Amarant Bank Arena in Sunrise, Florida. This is Oilers Now, and it is a Monday, which means Mac T Mondays with Craig McTavish, brought to you by Contract Equipment. Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. From parts unknown, we are pleased to be joined on the line and hook up with former Edmonton Oilers general manager, head coach. He won three Stanley Cups with the Oilers. He bleeds the colors, Craig McTavish. Craig, how are you doing? And there's blood in the streets stuff right now. But, uh, bleeding the colors can be a little difficult right now. But uh, yeah. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, you know the old saying, right? There's winning and there's misery. And I had this conversation actually with somebody on Saturday because he was laughing at uh, the third period commentary that I was providing against San Jose uh, because I was a man of few words. And that's because I was uh, greatly concerned for, uh, you know, where the team was at as they were down 3-1 in that hockey game to the worst team in the league. And yeah. You know, we all had great, you know, there's a saying, you are what your record says you are. The orders are 5-10 and 1, Mac T. I don't believe they're that bad. I still believe they can uh, get a playoff spot and get Mac back in the mix. But it's been a poor start to the season. And some similar challenges ruled their ugly head uh, Saturday in the third period against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, you're... I agree. I think uh, the Oilers are not near as bad as the record indicates they are right now. Um, they're, it's it's amazing the amount of shots that they generate and uh, how little they have to show for it. And, uh, I mean, in St. Louis last year, their philosophy on their Stanley Cup teams was to get higher quality shots and hang on to the puck. And they weren't the least bit interested in shot volume. Okay. And they felt that uh, that was, uh, you know, a much better strategy in terms of trying to manufacture offense. But as we've talked about before, teams are adapting to the threat of the Oilers offensively, which is largely... You know, they're, they're, they're top six forwards, and they're, there's very little room in behind the defense uh, for those top six forwards to operate. And, you know, that really lends itself to a game of uh, attrition where you put a lot of pucks at the net and you get some traffic to the net, but uh, it's really not the template the Oilers have used in the past uh, to be so uh, effective and uh, productive offensively, so it's it's uh, you know they're 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 going to have to adapt better than uh, what they've done to this point. All right, I'm going to put you put you on the spot here. Um, I have my own thoughts on what I'm seeing. If there has been any structural changes, but I'd like to get yours first. Have you noticed a discernible difference? in how the Oilers have played in the three games under Chris Knobloch than they did under Jay Woodcroft? Well, it's difficult to enact change very quickly. Uh, there's so much going on um, 
for Chris to to he's he's learning as much about the team and the players as the team and the players are learning about him. And there's very little, as I, I heard him speak the other day about how little practice time there is in the NHL. And, uh, you know, compared to the American league, it's, it's night and day in terms of the practice time. So you have much greater ability to enact change. And, uh, there's a balance of change and too much change, uh, is not good either. But I think, obviously, the things that he would be focusing on coming in have been well documented from uh, uh, from the previous regime. I mean, Glenn Gullickson would be a great source of information uh, for for the new coach. But the things that I would think that he's working on, obviously, are defensive zone coverage, which uh, has has been an issue for the team. For, for quite a while now. Uh, he, he may play uh, a different style. I haven't really noticed it. Uh, and transition hockey. I mean, it's a smart league, and uh, teams are adapting defensively uh, to counteract what the Oilers do well. And, uh, you know, that is, if, if, the, if the offense and the transition is slow developing, then it affords the opposition the amount of time to get everybody in front of the puck and uh, makes it difficult for their star players to penetrate those areas. So anytime you can accelerate the transition, then they don't have the, uh, the defense doesn't have the time or the defensive team doesn't have time to get in, uh, in the best defensive position. And you can get guys below the puck, catch guys below the puck, which opens up space, which in turn makes uh, the Oilers much more lethal and productive offensively. So I would say uh, that that would be one area and also uh, the defensive zone that uh, he, he's, he's uh, we got to find a way to keep the puck out of the net when, uh, when the game's on the line and we have a lead. Mac T on Mondays brought to you by Contract Equipment Limited. Bob Stoffer with you live in Sunrise, Florida, where the Oilers seemingly always used to win. Mac T, it's funny. You look at starts of the season, and I'm going to take you back to a conversation. Uh, you were coaching Vancouver's farm team during the 11-12 season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was a rookie. The Oilers started the year 9-3-2. And uh, you had fired me a text. Um, they were 9-3-2. and two. Nick Habibulin had a 0.98 goals against average and was 7-0-2 to start the year. And he had a 9.64 save percentage. And you text me and said, hey, Stoff, how much do you want to bet that Habibulin doesn't finish the season with a 9.64 save? I yeah. remember you said to this. Well, time's a great equalizer, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, those numbers are unsustainable for sure yes uh, and i i think the negative numbers this year are uh unsustainable where, too as well that's where i'm going yeah we've watched the two most explosive offensive players of our era in connor mcdavid and leon Settle. since uh connor's come in the league in 14 15 and connor missed part of the or 15 16 connor missed part of that season 
But Connor and Leon have been the two highest scoring players in the National Hockey League. It's not even close since the start of the next year, the 16-17 year, the first year Connor won the MVP. Craig, I, you know, I, I'd like to think I got a pretty good memory. I think you'd concede I probably do. I can't recall them both having some of the challenges that they've had offensively. And for me, and, I, and I'm going to ask the listeners to text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. To me, that's the most surprising thing. That I'm, I'm actually not surprised that they've had some challenges in goal. We've had people that weren't sure that, they, you know, the goaltending was going to be good enough or the defense was going to be good enough. But the one thing I don't think anybody thought is that Connor and Leon would go through stretches where, you know, they'd combine for two goals over a 10-game spurt. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's shocking to everybody because they're just way too good to have that stretch. But it happens to everybody. And I think when you look at Leon – He's had the looks. I mean, he's had good looks in areas where he's been really productive in the past. And for whatever reason, he's not cranking that high, that uh, acute angle shot in the net at the same regularity as he, 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 he was the last few years. But he's had plenty of opportunity. I think, uh, you know, obviously they're both tight. And... Uh, they 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 know that the the future and uh, of the Oilers it rests on their shoulders and and they put a lot of pressure on themselves to make that happen as they should. But there's there's sometimes there's good pressure and sometimes there's negative pressure, and sometimes you have to take, try and find ways to take a little bit of the pressure off because it's just. When you get off to a bad start as a team, every loss seems like a death in the family. And uh, when you're struggling as a superstar uh, to, to produce, it just compounds that feeling. And it can, it can zap your, your confidence and it can zap your energy. And when, when that happens, then it's, it's, it really compounds uh, the, the struggles that you're going through. So, I mean, I have never really perfected a way on communicating that to players. Like, uh, you know, Billy Moore, as you saw, we say, uh, uh, relax and tighten up. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, it's uh, somehow the players have to find a way to uh, – uh, to, to relax a little bit, and then that'll that'll energize them, and then I think we all know what's going to turn around. Craig, uh, Billy Morris occasionally gave me some fatherly advice as well when I was in my uh, embryonic stages of my broadcasting career, like don't be afraid to mix in a water. Uh, <laughs> eating all that chocolate's going to catch up to you. You're going to end up with three chins by the time you're 40. He turned to be quite prophetic in that regard. All right. Well, he also told me you were uncoachable. So it... <laughs> <laughs> I had him in hockey class. Yeah. You know, people think he's one of the greatest coaches ever. I I got to tell you, he couldn't turn me into a player. What does that tell you? But uh, Craig Matavish. Yeah, Mac well, all great coaches have their limitations. <laughs> yes, yes. you on Mondays. With Craig McTavish brought to you by Contract Equipment, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. Like So in that situation, I mean, even when you played, I mean, you were in a specified role. You were a really good 
third line center. Now, I might argue that it was maybe easier being the third line center in Edmonton behind Mark Messier or behind Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier than it was maybe being the third line center in other teams because you might have been the second line center on some of those teams. But did you ever see, like, and the game was higher scoring back when you guys played, but did you ever see, a, you know, a, a, a Gretzky or Messier-esque type player struggle through something like that? I'm sure Mark's had offensive uh, droughts before in his career. I mean, I can't specifically remember any. I remember us having a 10-game losing streak when he was out of the lineup one year. But uh, Gretz, I, I, I don't ever remember him going through stretches where he wasn't uh, uh, producing. I mean, the team went through stretches when – uh, we weren't winning, but uh, you know the productivity. It was a, it was a bit of a different game back in sure. those days. It was quite a bit more open, I would think. But uh, I don't remember them str- struggling offensively like that. And I, I really think that our guys have to have to find a way to relax and enjoy themselves. And it's hard because it's hard to. They care. They care, Mac T. They want to win. They care. They take ownership in this. When you're tight as a guitar string, it's tough to be loose. And uh, you know they put a lot of pressure on them, and they know the the uh, the weight of the hockey team rests on their shoulders. And uh, you know that can be good, and it can be uh, debilitating too at times. But they're 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 star players. They're going to get out of it, and. you know that that's uh, that's certainly all our hope. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny we're talking about this. Do you, do you ever watch Saturday Night Live when uh, over the years? Yeah, of course. Remember the the Stuart Smalley skit when he has Michael Jordan. Now, Michael, do you ever feel not good enough? And he's like, <laughs> No, I actually don't ever feel not. Good enough or that you're not the best and everybody's laughing because he's the greatest you know arguably the greatest player in the history of the nba i'd assert he probably yeah. is i just i mean i'm kind of watching connor and leon and hey they care and, and we're kind of chuckling about it because it's got to suck and they do want to win there is another factor in this we wouldn't know if they were hurt like you played with kevin lowe was he amongst the guys that had the highest pain threat lee fogelin guys like that that had the highest pain threshold of the teams that you played on and Jason Smith, I'll put him in, loop him in with those other defensive defensemen. For what sure, was, he he had a high pain. Uh, Ethan Morrow had a very high pain threshold too, as well. Yeah, um, but I I think I don't know. You're around the players. I yeah. what's their demeanor uh, uh, away from the rink? Are they able to relax, or is it? I mean. There's, 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 as you said, there's winning and there's misery, but there's, there's, you've got to, you've got to separate yourself from the disappointment of the loss and try and energize for the next game. Yeah. And if you can't, if you're carrying that negative energy into that next game, it's, it, 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 it it's, it's, it doesn't help and it hurts immensely. So, I mean, that's on the coaching staff too, as well, to try and, you know, to try and uh, loosen it up. And really, we've talked about leadership. That's what leadership's about. And these experiences will 
lend itself to having a better perspective the next time you go through this because you have to be able to get away from it when when uh that that's the right uh the, the right uh thing to do and you know the, a lot of these guys haven't been really through this before so this 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 will help them and finally got some goals from the bottom six in the last game against uh, Tampa Bay, but uh, just wasn't enough. Derek Ryan, Matty. <laughs> yeah, good for him. I'm always cheering for him. 30, I mean, he, 36 years of age now. By the way, he's played the most games in the NHL of any former Alberta Golden Bear. He passed uh, Randy Gregg last year, and I told Derek that, and he said, I'll trade him those extra games for Randy's five Stanley Cups. So, <laughs> yeah. You go. Well, that surprises to... me about that uh, Derek's played more than Doc Gregg because yeah. he was a heck of a hockey player, too. Real smart player. Uh, All righty, yeah. Calvin Pickard. You'd hope the guys rally around him first time in an NHL game since March 27th of 2022. Your thoughts? I love it. I think it's the absolute right thing to do. And uh, it'll give uh, Stu a little bit of a uh, mental break, too, as well. There's... I mean, there's tons of pressure around him, which, you know, he's going to have to learn to deal with over time. But you can't lose sight of the fact that uh, he's also in his second year in the NHL, and we're asking a lot from, from this guy. And uh, by and large, he's delivered quite a bit through the start of his career. But there's a ton of pressure on him, and I think it's the absolute right thing to go with uh, Pickard. And I expect him to play well tonight. And one final one for you for Craig McTavish for Contract Equipment, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with, you got it, rentals and sales. So here's the deal, Mac T. So you were the general manager, and I, I know you never had, like, an idiot color guy sit there and go, well, why can't you just make this trade on the spur? But, but it is diff. This is an aspect, not that trades are impossible at this time of the year, but it does tend to be a difficult time to execute a deal because everybody's kind of in it right now, aren't they? Well, it's I can't see the cavalry coming. Uh, I really feel like it's going to be on the shoulders of the current roster to get themselves out of this. And, I mean, they, let's not lose sight of the fact they'd won three in a row and then they lost. Uh, and then it seems like you're right back to where you were, but you're really not. You're... You know, you're uh, three and one in your last four, but I mean, it's it's a tall order to try and move some of the contracts, especially uh, Jack, right now. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I I, I can't see a deal being made uh, immediately. That's for sure. I think the Oilers. I mean, they're they're strategy going in i'm sure from a management standpoint was see, see get us to the uh trade deadline where we can maximize uh the contract value of the players we're going to acquire and uh then we'll expend the assets but nobody really envisions uh us being in the situation that we're in right now and it's it's uh time to uh continue to man up for the hockey club and uh, get ourselves out of this. Craig, great stuff. Thank you for your time. We'll talk on Monday. Sounds good, Stoff. Good luck tonight.
You bet. Mac on Mondays with Craig McTavish brought to you by Contract Equipment, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. If you're looking for a great holiday gift, give the gift of travel this holiday season with New West Travel's gift certificates. Whether you're celebrating a special occasion or looking to surprise a loved one, give the gift of exploration, relaxation, and unforgettable experiences. Adventure awaits. There's no better time to start planning. Call New West Travel and visit them at newwesttravel.com. Back with uh, a relatively easy Oilers game. Game day trivia question when we return in Oilers Now. Some guests in Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until close and 4 o'clock on Oilers Midweek Game Days. Tell Brendan, Chris, and Jeff Eltoff that Oilers Now sent you. Into Oilers Game Day trivia, it's time. It's brought to you by Pro-Am Sports. Fan cave and fan gear specialists for all budgets, all correct answers. Enter to win an original autograph seat back from the Northlands Coliseum. Signed by 12 legendary Oilers, including Grant Fuhr, Mark Messi, and more. Check out ProAmSports.ca or visit 12728 St. Albert Trail in Edmonton. Here we go. The top four picks of the 2014 NHL draft are in this game tonight. Of course, the Oilers' Leon Dreisaitl went third. Uh, Aaron Ekblad went number one to Florida. We mentioned that Sam Reinhardt went number two. Who do the Calgary Flames take fourth overall? Texas on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Who did the Flames take fourth overall and later trade to the Florida Panthers? In the 2014 NHL draft, 780, uh, yeah, 4960063. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kelburn and back with Frank Saravalli for the horses and horse racing Alberta.